Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the show, The Big Show. The most important, critical, and absolutely indispensable podcast that is recorded in our truck. And we're in the truck today. Sorry about the road noise, because he's an old truck, and he's kind of got a lot of noise. We got the farm truck. We got a farm truck job going on today. We're carrying big, bulky stuff out to the place. It happens in the spring. A beautiful day where it's daytime right here. We're going to the place. Got to upgrade the place every spring. Yes. And, and through uh, the summer. Gorgeous, beautiful blue sky. The only uh, problem going on here is it is cold for April. I mean, cold for North Missouri for April. And by mean cold, I mean cold. Uh, when I was wandering around this morning, it was in the teens, which where April is ridiculous in Missouri. The teens in April. Usually April 15th is your frost-free day. Well, we're about a week away from that. I don't know when you're going to hear this, but that's, you know. And we're nowhere near being frost-free. She wanted to put out the water barrels, but couldn't do it. Because they, they they would freeze. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting day. I was checking out my herbs, though, and they're starting to green up. My perennial herb beds. Okay, but that's, none of this has anything to do with the topic of the show today. I was going to... Except that was my segue. Oh, that was your segue? That was my segue. Because when I start thinking about planting, I start thinking about what things to plant. Herbs. And, yep. Now one of the things on my list is herbal remedies. Which ones are valuable? Which ones are maybe valuable? Uh, and what is it worth the effort to have around? And do I know how to prepare it? And all that stuff. Now, the good news is there's a lot of really reliable, well-researched, lab-recorded information about all of these herbs, and we know everything there is to know about them, right? Wrong, but thank you for playing. Wrong? Are you saying I'm wrong? There's some good information out there on some of them. Well, there's lots of information, though. There's lots of information. But the thing about the Internet is anybody can say anything, and some of them do. You all know that. You all know You've all found places on the internet where people are just making stuff up. Or they think they're giving you good information, but they don't really know either. It just kind of sounded good to them, so they're passing it along. And there's a lot of that that goes on, too. And unfortunately, there's a trend with a lot of people to, if it fits in with what they want to believe, this is called normalcy bias, if it fits in with what they want to believe and what everybody else around them is saying, then they'll just believe that it's true, whether it is or no. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for us? And what does this mean for 3BY? Well, we can tell you one thing about 3BY. When we write articles and we talk about things like herbs, Mostly it's Spice that writes them, because this is kind of her bollywick. When you write, when she writes them, the key part of the article isn't necessarily the article, it's skip to the bottom. And you'll find out what the key part of how, why it is we do what we are doing. This is a core reason we do what we're doing. It's one of the reasons we started the site, is because we were not happy with the quality of the research we were finding to support, you can find a lot of things on a lot of proper websites about what herbs to use, what not to use, how to use them. A lot of alternative medicine places have the same stuff. But the thing is, some of that stuff is really good and valuable information, and some is not. 
and from just reading the sites, it was very difficult to tell which was which. And that didn't make us happy. We wanted there to be better, more reliable sources. And they're not better and more reliable because I know more about this stuff, because I don't. What I do is try and go through the literature and, and find what has real scientific support behind it and talk about scientific support. And I'm going to show you where I'm getting the information. So you can think I'm right, you can think I'm wrong, whatever, but at least you can look at the bottom, you can find those sources, you can look for yourself. You know that I'm not just talking off the top of my head, but at least I'm um, trying to find the most reliable information out there to share. Now here's, here's one of the problems. Or here's some of the problems that involve things like non-traditional medicine, herbal remedies, uh, old folk remedies. The thing is, people will say, oh, yes, that worked. Or, oh, no, that didn't work. Or it worked great for me. And we totally 100% have no reason to doubt people when they say this. But there's a lot of factors that go into it worked for me. And it's a, it's important that we keep hitting this over and over again till till everybody gets understands what we're trying to do here because it really is critical to us. This is one of our key things. We want you to understand that yes, it may work for you, but we want you to know why it works for you, and we want you to know is that reproducible in other people. The main reason I want you to know why it worked for you, if it worked for you and it, and that meant it would work every time reliably, that would, so maybe you don't know, that's okay. I actually take a medication myself that nobody knows how it works, but it works reliably the same way in every person every time. Right. It's the reproducible so, results that we worry about, not the, not yeah. the, you know, the what is actually going on. We don't care what's going on. Really, in all, in all honesty. We want you to be able to make good decisions about what is likely to work every time you try it, what is likely to work for the greatest number of people that you try it on, and what, when you shouldn't take it, what things it might interfere with, possible side effects. We want you to be able to make the best informed decisions about what you're going to use, what you're not going to use. That's what this is about. So what this uh, piece is primarily about is to share some of my decision-making process on how I find the information, what kind of things I look for. It's to make you a better consumer, not to make you believe what I say. I hope you don't just believe what I say, because I'm just one more voice on the Internet. I hope you maybe find some guidance and some ideas but that you engage your own brain and make your own decisions, but that you use good criteria for that. And that's what this is about, the criteria. And here's one of the challenges there is. A lot of these things, these supplements, are not considered drugs by the FDA. They're considered food supplements. And if something is considered a drug by the FDA, there's mandatory testing of it. You have to test the stuff. You have to prove it works before, before you, you can, can ever say that it works. Right. There if, has to be efficacy shown. If it's a food, you have to prove 
or have to have a reasonable establishment. You don't have to solid out prove it. But you have to have a decent basis to say it's not harmful to most people who take it, which is a way different standard from saying that you can show it actually works. Yeah. So I got two examples here. And let's just go through this example. And she can show you her uh, her way of thinking about it. And I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm going to talk about two different examples, and she's going to give you responses to it. Example number one is garlic. Okay, garlic is something that is widely said to do all of this different stuff, from keeping vampires away all the way down to digestive help and yada yada. Prostate health. So I asked her about garlic, and her response was... I don't want to talk about that until I have some time to read up on it, because I don't know. I know some of this stuff works really well. I know some of this stuff does not appear to work for half the things it's claimed to work for once you actually look carefully. And I don't know which claims are which until I look for the evidence behind each claim. Right. And I didn't want to talk about it with you until I've done that. So look for that one on garlic in the future because it is on my to-do list. But just haven't gotten so there yet. There's, there's a lot of research to be done between here and there. Yeah, and garlic is one that the medical community has gotten some interest in. Part of the problem here is that high-quality research is kind of hard to do and expensive. You need things like control groups. Because if you give somebody anything with the expectation that it's going to help them, it will help a significant number of them. The placebo effect is real. And I'm not against using it at all, but I'm against using it when you think it's actually the thing you're taking. I'm against being misled by it. So, to get good quality research behind it, you need to have things like control groups, where some people are getting the real drug and some people are getting something that just resembles the real thing, but without the active ingredient. And you see how both do. Neither group knows which one they're taking. All of them are likely to show some improvement because of the placebo effect. All of them are likely to show some side effects because of the nocebo effect. But you get to compare the groups and say, okay, these particular good outcomes were more common in the people that were taking the real stuff. Therefore, the real stuff has this action. And you need big enough sample sizes because, frankly, if you just try it on a couple of people, People recover from things on their own all the time. If you've only tried it on a couple of times, maybe the thing helped. Maybe it was just their time to get better. (laughs) And you don't know unless you got a big enough sample. So, big sample sizes, quality control groups are important. Those things are, they take time, they take effort, they take money to do. A lot of it, uh, there's only two places that much research gets done. One is from the pharmaceutical company side who are not going to do this for most of the uh, herbal and alternative remedies because they can't make enough money off them. They can't patent them. So that's one big source of money. They're just not going to do that research because they don't care. And the other is the academic side. People who get uh, mostly paid to teach, at least part-time for a living, and then they're supposed to do some research in their field on the side, they're more free to do research in things they consider important that might not have an immediate direct payoff. 
certainly the university is not get going to get paid for what they come up with in most of those cases. But that's okay because they're doing what they're doing for a different reason. They do some of that research. And then for some topics, the research just isn't out there, and those I just withhold judgment on. You can believe them, you cannot believe them, you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to talk about them because I don't know if they work or not. So the first thing I do is only address topics where there is some decent quality research I can actually talk about. And that's not saying the other stuff doesn't work. It's just saying, I don't know. So why should I bother to run my mouth about it? Uh, not everybody has that same... Uh, not everybody has that same... Most people who talk about herbal remedies and herbal medicines don't have this at all. They're like, oh, so-and-so said something about something or other got something that got said about this. And that's just not going to cut it at 3BY. We're not doing that. That, I mean, that information's out there, but there is no way to tell whether it's worth reading or not. It's it's unreliable. You want that? You can find it. It's not Yeah, a you problem. can find that out there. It's already out there. It's all over so the place. that's not our mission. You know, people who are selling the stuff, you know, Snake Oil had a big, big sales pitch. Everybody knows the Snake Oil story. So, you know, a lot the snake oil's out there. I'm not saying it doesn't work. We're not saying it doesn't work. What we're saying is they haven't shown that it works. That's the difference. Now, there's another kind of side twist that I threw in with the garlic thing. And this is something that snake oil salesmen use all the time. Um, the first thing I led with was a joke. Now, garlic keeps vampires away. Well, it does. You can't prove me. I've you never can't been prove. bitten by a vampire after I, eating yeah, garlic. Nobody has ever been bitten by a vampire after they've put garlic around their neck. Prove me wrong. Okay? What this is, is a red herring. You know, it's a, it's a straw man argument. And these are used all the time in, uh, well, all across the board. Not just in this, but in a lot of things. You know, so you got to watch out for the straw man argument. And then there's the other side of the coin. My my drug number two. Unless you had something else to add. You look like you might have had something to add. Yeah, I did have something else to add, but what was it about? Oh, yeah. In my point of view, it's the person who's trying to tell you something is effective to show that it's effective. It's not on the people who don't know or think it doesn't to prove that it doesn't. Because most drugs don't do most things. So if you make a claim, then you ought to be supporting that the thing does that, has that action. For example, if you make a claim that garlic repels vampires, bring me a vampire. Put some garlic out there. Let's do a controlled test to see if it actually That's works. That's not controlled. You have to have the same number of people wearing garlic and not wearing garlic and see which one of them get bitten by vampires and which don't. Well, let's not have people involved here. Let's, let's, <laughs> there's no reason for the people to get getting, I, I feel anybody getting bit by a vampire. It doesn't need to happen. I, I feel pretty good about putting people in this test because I don't think any of them are getting bitten by vampires. Okay. It's like I've got an elephant whistle that repels elephants. It's worked for as long as I've used it in northeast Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good point. All right. So, but over in Northwest Missouri, you gotta—that's a different matter. <laughs> There's some elephants over there, and you know there might be a sports team over there called the Thundering Herd. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's take a look at my example number two. 
My example number two is ginger. Hey, lots of people say lots of things about ginger, okay? But I am a, I'm a scuba diver, so is Spice. There's one big difference between us when it comes to diving, and it's no, not that one of us is a better diver. We're both actually pretty good. Um, it's not that one of us does something or other better than the other. One of us is kinder to the fishes than the other yes. one. One of us feeds the fishes all the time. I get seasick. <laughs> Just, I mean, I'm driving down this bumpy road towards the place, and I'm getting seasick on this road. Of course, it is a pretty windy road, but, you know. And a it's a pretty bumpy truck. Pretty bumpy truck, yeah. This has actually been kind of a rough ride. I'm going to turn the heat down a little bit. Um, ginger. Okay, one of the things we did before the last time I went out on a boat was we started feeding me ginger three days before I went out. Why? Because ginger is supposed to have uh, anti-nausea qualities. Ginger does have anti-nausea qualities, in my opinion. In her opinion. I read up on it before I started feeding it to him. I'm that way. Right. Did I find it helpful? Uh, not particularly. I mean, maybe a little, maybe. Um, now, I am susceptible to pl- the placebo effect. I'm very much susceptible to the placebo effect. I know this, and I don't really care. As long as it works, I don't care why it works. Everybody's susceptible to placebo effect. As some of us are more than others. Yeah. And um, as long as it works, I don't care why it works, as long as it does. And it did. Maybe it helped a little. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But that was she. So she went out and she researched it. And it's a, it's a no harm done kind of thing, except for it cost a couple bucks to get some ginger. You know, no big deal. And ginger. No significant side effects, no yeah. significant interactions. Right. So. And not doing it in place of something that is known to be effective. Now. But here's the key. Here's the key part. About. Uh, this experience. Setting aside my now somewhat vague remembrances of this particular uh, experience, because I really don't remember it well enough to say whether it truly worked or not. Couldn't. It's hard to judge because the sea's a little different every day. Setting that aside, were I to say, hey, Spice, why don't you sit down and write about the anti-nausea uh, properties of ginger. Uh, just grab your grab your laptop and start writing that. She would say, no. She would say, not until I have done research on it. Even though she has previously done research, and I know this. Yeah. More evidence gets collected. This is what we're talking about. The difference between what we're trying to do here... And what gets done in a lot of places are they just go ahead and start writing from previous experience, previous knowledge, where we're going to go back and research it again. That's that's I I keep coming back to this because I want you to realize that the stuff at the bottom of the of the articles isn't just there for show. It really will take you to the place to get the information. And what I put down there is not every source I've looked at by a long stretch. Because, frankly, there's no point in making a bibliography that's five times as long as the piece. Because I, I doubt anybody cares. And if you you do care, it's easy to find that stuff 
once you have an entry into the right places. What I do is put some sources to some key high-quality articles because I want you to know that I actually am looking at these high-quality sources, and I want you to be able to look at them too. I want you to have an entry into that if you're interested in that. I want you to know I'm not just somebody else yammering on the internet because I think it happens to be true. We are almost at the place here, so we're going to put us on pause for a bit while we do what we hang need out to at do the place. Get these all these buzzards out of the way. We got a bunch of buzzards. What have we got? We uh, got it's oh, it's a dog. Yeah, I don't know that dog. I no, don't know that dog. dog either. That's good. It's not our. We're dog. We're almost to the place, and the neighbors' dogs. I'm kind of fond of them. They come visit me sometimes. Yeah, but that's not they're kind of cool. Uh, we're going to put this on pause, and uh, on the way home, probably, I'll uh, share some things about how to find the research and how to know what to trust. Hello. We're back. Project done at the farm. Everything is still sleeping at this point in April because it's been cold. Cold. Had one very brave and not very smart frog attempting to find a mate on this cold day. Yeah, very, very brave and (laughs) not very smart. Probably still only. And if not, there's ice, so where is she going to lay her eggs anyway? But anyway, how do I find this kind of information to, to allow you to make the decisions on what you might like to use as herbal remedies and what you don't? Is First thing I do is try and use the scientific literature, because they're the only places you can really find those studies that have control groups. Uh, good statistical analysis, big sample sizes. Uh, they've got basically good experimental design, which is specifically intended to remove the effects of individual bias and random events and placebo and nocebo effects from the decisions. All of those are really big things that can cloud one's interpretation. So trying to get rid of those as much as possible is what we're going for. And that's why I like scientific literature. You can use Google Scholar. Sometimes I do that. Uh, sometimes I uh, sign on to a university's uh, library network and use the library network. That actually is the better source because they will filter out some of the lower quality things that masquerade as research journals and leave you with only the uh, better quality sources on their search engines they use. But Google Scholar's not bad if you know what you're looking for. First thing you're looking for is uh, things that have... uh, They're looking at actual evidence, not at these people have claimed this, those people have claimed that. You're looking at studies that have control groups where they made an effort to disguise from the people who were participating whether they were taking the real thing or whether they were taking something that just looked and seemed like the real thing and then compared the results between the two. Often I like to go for what are called uh, reviews because in a review study what somebody will do is they'll go out and they'll do the hard work of searching through all the literature that's been published on the subject and they'll look for indicators of quality in every individual research study, and they'll throw out a lot of the junk, 
and then they'll take the good quality studies that are left and try and draw one overall coherent picture out of all the various results of the various studies that tried things in a little bit different way. And you can get a lot of good quality information out of these review studies with just one read. So I like that a lot, and I use those a lot. You may notice I cite those a lot at the uh, bottoms of the papers. Then I uh, read through some other stuff just to make sure the story I got from the one place is consistent. I don't bother citing all those when I do it, but I do it before I put them, put them in the articles. Because any one study can be wrong, either because of intentional bias or, you know, life happens. It's an Im imperfect world. So consensus opinions are stronger than any one person's opinion. For some of this stuff, you really can't find uh, scientific research on it. Like, uh, a lot of the stuff, I can find good background on whether or not the compound works. But I can't find as good a scientific information on how somebody could prepare that at home. So that stuff's got to come from the uh, non-scientific literature. It's got to come from practitioners who actually do this stuff. So my approach for that is to uh, find some sites that sound like people who've actually tried it and know what they're talking about. They're not intent on selling me their stuff. They're just trying to describe how to grow it, how to make the preparations. I'm... Well, I match that up with what I know about organic chemistry and stuff like that, because that's helpful, but you may not have that tool uh, at your disposal. And then I read through some other sites to see if that's a general consensus of a good way to get it done. And then I give you the single best description I can come up with that is reflects what a lot of practitioners are doing to get it. And I always look for things like dosing information, because that bit about some tiny little bit of the compound can magically have all these effects, I do literally mean magically. If you have a tiny number of molecules of stuff in there, it's not going to have a strong biological effect. That's wishful thinking. That's placebo effects. So think about dosing. Think about how, how long things are going to last. Think about whether or not you can grow things in your area. Think about uh, if you can grow things in your area, whether or not they're likely to become a noxious and invasive weed if you plant them in your area. Where I live, St. John's wort has escaped. It's not native to this continent at all. And you find it a whole lot of places in the wild, including that pasture at the place I was just at, has some wild St. John's wort growing in it. And I'm good with that, because it just makes one plant among lots and lots of plants on that little prairie remnant. It's not taking over anything. It's not making a problem for anybody. I'm happy to have it there. Unlike your autumn olive problem. Yeah. Unlike the autumn olive, which started to take over whole acres in my area. And so when I saw two or three plants of autumn olive on my on my property, I'm cutting them off and treating the stumps with herbicide, and I don't use herbicides much. Because I don't want those suckers to grow back. They will take over, and they will crowd out a lot of things I need to, to feed my wildlife and to keep my land in good condition. So consider whether or not it tends to be invasive in your area. If you're in New Zealand, your neighbors might lynch you if you intentionally planted St. John's wort. 
because there aren't native predators in competition for it, and it's taken over hundreds of acres of land that people would like to be growing other things. So there it's a weed. Here it's a useful herb. It's all about how it gets along with the neighboring species. So that's basically it. Look for good quality research studies. Make sure it's backed up by multiple sources. And think about the practicalities of it. How much you're going to need. How long it'll store. Stuff like that. Before you decide to go with it. I've found all of these things helpful. And I'm, I'm hoping you'll find them helpful too. When setting up to have your own useful pharmacopoeia on hand. Should you not be able to get standard medical care, or should you not want to get standard medical care for whatever reason, but you'll have some stuff that actually works and is safe the way you use it and available to you when you need it. One thing that I'd like to add is always pay attention to, and she mentioned this before, but always pay attention to, are these people trying to sell this? Is this an ad? Ad claims, we all know what ad claims are. We know what they are, but a lot of people just set that aside when it comes to herbal remedies and stuff like that. They just set it aside. Don't set it aside. Is it an ad? Are they trying to sell you this? You know, ask them questions. If they're trying to sell you something, ask about their dosing information. Ask how they came up with the dosing information. Ask them for any research that they have. Ask them all these questions. And if... If they can't give you good answers, maybe this is something you, you at least want to go and check out other sources on. If I can't find the same kind of answers from completely unrelated sites that aren't trying to sell me anything, then I'm not going to go for it. No. I, I wouldn't buy it. And it may be a perfectly good product. We're not saying these are not good products. We're not saying they don't work. There are good and helpful producers out there producing for the alternative market. But there are also charlatans, and there are people who have more confidence than the evidence uh, supports. And there's also another kicker here. And we ran into this in a giveaway that one of the, that a website was doing. Sign up for it, and you can have our free book of Hermal Remedies. And uh, we ran into this first page that she opened. In this book, I signed up for it just to see what was in it showed an extremely dangerous... Yeah, I probably went pale when I read it. ...effective drug, dangerous, that was out there, oh, you can use this for heart problems. And it's the, it's the drug that real pharma, pharmaceutical medicine is drawn off of. Oh, yeah, you can it's buy like, it in any pharmacy. Yeah, it's like really powerful stuff, but the it's dosing jealous. is extremely specific, okay? And the kinds of heart problems it's useful for is extremely specific. You start using it for the wrong art problems, and you've just created a lot bigger problem than you started with. So a lot of times people will throw out the, oh, it's good for this. And if you don't know anything about the topic, that sounds pretty good. But there's a whole lot of different heart problems. There's a whole lot of different doses. These things do work, and because they do work, they also have the potential to cause harm if they're used badly. That's right. And that's just something I wanted to throw out there. And another thing, too. 
is if you can't find what you're looking for, if you have something and you can't find what you're looking for, and if it's something that's a reasonable thing, uh, drop us a note. We'll see if we can maybe look up or find something, or we can confirm that, yeah, this is being claimed, but we're not finding any research. Yeah, there's a, a lot of things that I suspect might work that I haven't written on. Oh, should we had a road hazard here. Yeah, should we go back so and pick that thing up? we're going to pause and deal with a road hazard. Yeah, I think we should. Road hazard removed, and we're back. And we're back. And Sorry about that, but we didn't want to have any anybody to have a wreck because somebody left <coughs> junk in the middle of the road. Yeah, somebody a big, huge, humongous piece of plastic that was in the middle of the road. So, <coughs> sorry, goodness, I got the cost. If there's a weird gap in this in this podcast, uh, we're sorry about that. We not sure that it ran on a certain segment. So anyway, pressing right along. Uh, basically what I was getting ready to say was one of the things that you can do is request uh, information on a certain whatever it is you have, and uh, we'll take a look at it, see if we can find anything or we can you know see what we see. Or if you have any questions about, okay, I've read all this and I just don't understand it, and it's something that would be prepper cornucopia related or pharmacopia, far car, yeah. pharmacopia related. Um, yeah, drop us a line and we'll see what we can do. If uh, I can't find any good scientific evidence on it, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because well, we'll just I don't know any more than the next person. We'll that reply point. that yeah. we can't really find anything. Well, I mean, we won't ignore it. If you. I can find useful things to share. Then I'll share them on the site because it's kind of one of the things I think I can contribute to the discussion. Yeah. So anyway, and that's that's the last part we were, we wanted to say. One of the things is we're, we're, when we put something on our site, we feel pretty comfortable about at least that it's at least been researched. Yeah. It's either something we have done. Um, you know, when we when we ha have researching guns, that they're guns we own and shot. When we're researching uh, food products, our products we've eaten, and analyze what's in them, and yeah, you were talking when when Buzz talks about bees, that's because he is a master beekeeper. He knows what he's talking about. When Paranoid talks about preppernomics, that's because he's a preppy or a uh, economic guy. Yeah, preppy and prepper are completely different things in my world. <laughs> so. Anyway, we're going to hang this one up, and we'll catch you the next time.